When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Reveille, reveille, donks. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. Oh, yeah, rejoice or mourn. Depend. Yeah, there you go. There's Luke Thomas right there. Brian Campbell, this is Morning Combat on the road. This is not necessarily <laughs> the Wednesday episode of Canelo Charlo Fight Week. We wanted to give you, had some... I mean, it's a, not a shocker. Don't blame me. Not a shocker that we had some technical difficulties. Tell them the truth. And the arc of this show. Don't blame me. Well, no, no. What the fuck? No. Maybe there'll don't, be a, don't maybe there'll you be even a court dare. of public opinion. Day no, 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 no. I don't. I will. I will accept zero responsibility well, I didn't put for this any one. On you. You're no, no. You yourself. get that smirk, like, oh, there's <laughs> Luke with it again. Don't, don't, don't do that. Don't, don't misinterpret do that. the French rapey smirk with the other smirk. Okay, all right. Here, no, right? No, not, <laughs> not, trust me when I tell you, in zero ways responsible for this. Don't anger the guy in a Pantera T-shirt. So hey, this is the award-winning morning combat. We're in Luke's Las Vegas hotel room. I did not sleep here, although. Look, if, if I made that choice one day, it's okay. It'd be, that'd be totally fair. Yeah, I mean, totally. I'd smell... Co-workers just banging in. No, I'd smell feces the whole time. But we <laughs> just are, podcasting and banging. We are on the ground here in Las Vegas, uh, the MGM Grand, which, Luke, I always said, like, MGM Grand and Park MGM right now are fighting head-to-head for who is the most... Which hotel is retaining whatever's left of their bougie honor while completely crossing over into full tra- trash mode. Yeah, that's I mean, right. Like they're, they're right there on the lines. So, like, you, you can know? still get... Here's MGM, right? You can... you can MGM Grand, anyway. Because I do, like, Signature a lot. Oh, yeah. And I guess they have these new, like, elite apartments called Skyloft. Here at MGM yes, Grand, Yes, which yeah. I've not been to, and I think I'm told are quite nice. But, like, you know, just rank and file. You can still get a great steak... And also knifed in the bathroom. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And the edge of that just keeps going, like that intensity. So, like, you just had like a great, yeah. very expensive steak, and then you just get one between the sixth and yeah. seventh ribs. I would love that Showtime uh, had a car pick me up so I didn't have to deal with the typical taxi drive. Even though it's a short drive, but you wouldn't, it is a you'd short be drive. surprised how much I could be solicited prostitution from a old white guy cab driver just during that two minute drive from the airport to the strip. But that's neither here nor there, as Luke Thomas would say. Uh, we're here for Canelo versus Charlo. It goes down Saturday night. Showtime pay up boxing pay-per-view, of course. It's Undisputed versus Undisputed. It's a big-ass damn deal. We're going to hit that hard today. We're going to hit the other topics. We won't be able to do the firecrackers and all the uh, M80s of uh, Have You Seen This Shit and, uh, and Donks from DMs from Again, Donks. Um, look at me. And I get that we've had a shit ton of uh, tech issues this week. Monday's ending wasn't uh, scheduled as planned. And I get that, Luke. Um, I mean, look, these were... These were happier times. Can you look at my chesticles right here? Can you look at my my pec my pectacular spread here? Look, these were happier times. These were the good old days. All right, these were days to remember, never before, and now. you know that doesn't feel good. Ten thousand ways, right? Uh, no, it doesn't feel good. All right, uh, here's what I'll tell you though, Luke. Sometimes in life you're on top, and sometimes in life, Luke, you're 
You know what I mean? You're yeah. just tumbling into is, the abyss. This has been a, a uh, year filled with highs and lows for MK. But started uh, off, started out strong. Started but out strong. near, far, wherever you are, my heart will go on here at MK. We're gonna get through this. We're gonna get to the finish line. Do we even have the balls to ask them to vote for this podcast? <laughs> Do we even have I know, the this is, ball? So this year's World MMA Awards over at worldmmaawards.com, uh, this will test how P1, our day one P1s really are. <coughs> Luke, has this been the best uh, show of 2023? Uh, no. Probably not. Probably not. But, uh, no, no, that's But not. you know what? Like, think of how many times our heroes have had missteps, but then it's set up to a big comeback. I'm old enough to remember when Hugh Grant got that uh, prostitute uh, in Hollywood, right? What was her name? Do you remember her name? Uh, uh, vine. There was a vine involved in it. The word vine. I couldn't remember either. Oh it was. It God. was. She was everywhere at the time. I had a picture. I had his mugshot on my wall in high school. I cut it out of Rolling Stone magazine. Hugh Grant? Yeah, from that horror incident. I don't know. I just thought it was an edgy moment in pop Who culture. Who was the uh, it girl? He. She, I thought it was Ivory Brown or something like something that. Something like that. Who was the it girl Grant was married to? She was beautiful. She was oh, also I British. I don't remember at that time. He he was on. Not- it doesn't matter. He was out there. Banging he was on Notting Hill, which is really just a British like like uh, you've got mail or whatever. Something I mean, like it's, that. You know, yeah. it's more in that regard. Um, so we won't have the show you expect from us this week, but we will punch you pretty hard in the dick this week with great content because Luke. Later today, we are hosting the Canelo versus Charlo Showtime weigh in, which goes down 4 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, also, we'll be hosting Friday's weigh-in. We'll be doing a fantastic live MK episode Friday from the Blue Wire Studios at the Wynn mm-hmm. here on the Strip with some very I've special never guests. I've never been. Uh, also, later that day, hosting the weigh-in, as I mentioned. And, Luke, we got some bo- a lot of good bonuses. There may be a return. I mean, we owe it to the fans at this point of RSD 1.0, a little road diary. I mean, this really is... This is really what You're it is. You're looking at right? RSD yeah. 1.0. Did you drop an RSD yet over in the uh, over in the uh, receptacle? I like how I'm not allowed to use my own restroom if there if there's the possibility of you coming by. Yes, of course I used the bathroom. Well, I was I christened it. I was willing to do this from separate hotel rooms, but I got your you know your misgivings with that. You know what I mean, Luke? We're supposed to be here on the ground like men, right? With the energy yeah. feeling each other. Hey, how about that voicemail I sent you in the middle of the night? So I woke up to it at uh, I can play it. at five thirty a.m. this morning. Here, let me play it. Dude, what, what do we have to lose anymore? Let's just play stuff. We would have had a great. Have you seen this shit clip today that was scheduled to run to make up for Monday? That would have sounded like this. Here we too. go. This is what I sent BC at three ten in the morning. Ready? <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> One more time. That's some dirty shit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Like, Luke, I always wondered, like, remember that scene? Hey, listen. Hey, listen. I need some small victories. Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, you remember that scene in uh, Almost Famous when the plane's going down and then uh, Jimmy Fallon's character, spoiler alert, like admits to killing a man and everybody's like freaking out. And I always wondered if we know we're, 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 we're flying in one way direction down to our death. Yeah. Will we do that? Will we share our dark, deepest secrets? Or will we laugh it up? Like, I feel like today's episode kind of feels like that. Like, the plane is going down, but you know what? Like certain members of Leonard Skinner, we will crawl across that bro- open field and climb a fence with our organs hanging out, and we will survive. Look, we are street survivors, okay? MK will not die with Ronnie Van Zant in that ditch, okay? <laughs> All right? But yeah, this is what it... This, yeah, you're watching a... Uh, a, a once great man just <laughs> fall apart in front of your eyes. Hey, a little bit of business here from the uh, from the Las Vegas mag. Look, I I have I was looking and I have this bag of boxing memorabilia that I've uh, acquired over the years on the Vegas trips. You and Dan Raphael. 
And yeah, well, he has like houses filled with that. But uh, you know, we just passed a month ago the 10th year anniversary of Mayweather versus Canelo. The first, I can't believe my it. first Vegas fight week, the first time we worked, to, like you know, in crossing paths back in the day, dude, 10 years ago, and Canelo's still on top, by the way, which is something insane. But longevity um, is insane. But I have so many of this type of shit that I've saved. Uh, it feels great, as much as getting off the plane late last night felt like you know, landing on a new planet in the uh, Star Wars ecosphere, and I felt, you know, hungover Luke and, and violated from the inside. Like, if you would have told me while I was sleeping on the plane, doctors went in and did, like, the full tests and all that and separated all my ass organs and stuff, like, I felt, do you feel like that when you land? That jet lag, it's a mother effort. It's a long flight, dude. Vegas is far. It's five hours from where we live. Your flight's five hours, right? Yeah, but I always have to take a... Uh, two flights, you know, because I fly out of Harvard. Right. Well, I had to take two flights this time, and I had to run to my second flight, but I made it. I made it. You don't run. Oh, I ran for this one because I, I, I thought I wasn't going to make it. Got like, your toe spacers? With these shoes, too. With just these ones. My feet were... I, I, the, people don't understand. If you work on your feet muscles, I don't need more things. I need less padding. But, okay. dude, how about the lady in front of me? Okay? The lady in front of me. So it wasn't my seat, and it, no one was touching me. Is, but, was she white? Old, old, old lady, but yes. Okay. She was right in front of me. She had her feet up. Now, she still had her socks on, but she was touching the screen in front I mean, of her. Like I've said before on the show, she might as well just been breastfeeding too, right? I, they should have just thrown her off the plane mid-flight. That's the same thing, right? Just no parachute. Just use your feet to catch you, you disgusting heathen. All right. Well, what I was uh, trying to say before I took us off a couple detours is so much great content this week. Luke, I think we're going to do it. We're going to hit them with the old RSD 1.0 style, right in the crevice, right? Give them what they want. We should do drugs for that. I don't think I can do that sober. Oh, wow. I don't think they want you to do that sober. Also, we'll be visiting a very special guest uh this week for some sit-downs. Well, well, we shouldn't later. be promoting anything until it's already yeah, in the, in the can. Point. I mean, what are we and doing? And don't forget Saturday when Luke and I, uh, 5.30 p.m., early start here, 5.30 p.m. Eastern time, Luke and I will be hosting the Showtime Boxing Countdown. It's 2.30 local? Yep. And uh, not only are we going to set the stage ahead of the pay-per-view, but we have three fights to call and three name fighters when you're talking about unbeaten heavyweight uh, title contender Frank Sanchez, former light heavyweight champion Alexander Vodzik, who's back after uh, retiring, and, and now he's looking to make a run again. And who was the third we had of note? Um, Those are the two bigger ones. Yeah, we got name fighters, okay? So, so great are the names that... Um, yeah. Well, I just can't remember. This is where we're at in our life right now. This is our life. This is our passion. I'm underslept at this point. But uh, thank you to all that uh, watch the show and follow us. You can follow us on the social channels. They're probably not below, but whatever. Also, morningcombat.store. I mean, look, the average Joe Art arc in, in our in our merch history, pretty mm -hmm. good, right? It's one of the best. Are you going to that fart again? Today? Yeah. yeah. Well, you know what? <laughs> right. I, I, have, I have a question for you, BC. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen this shit? Yeah, I can, <laughs> I can smell it. No, actually, your room, it doesn't smell that bad yet, Luke. It's going to smell so gross in here by tomorrow. No, not by tomorrow. I, I've, I've figured it out. It's usually the third day. Okay. The third day is when it takes a, right. is when it you gets You know you're light. allowed to wash your ass, right? You know, that's like part of the deal. Did yeah. you shower yet? This no, morning? I have not yeah. yet. I need to shower big. I haven't showered Are you going to bring it today on the, on the weigh-in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Once I'm done crying in the shower... Because uh, uh, I don't know if our fans are doing it, but would you be upset if you found out? Remember at like the Super Bowl, how on, like they send around those sheets that have all the squares, right? And everybody's trying to bet like ten dollars that like yes, yes. the final score of the quarter will be like seven to three or something. I uh, would you be mad if our P ones did that? But basically trying to figure out the exact hour of this trip that you'll uh, commandeer an, an incommunicable disease and begin your typical Vegas physical 
you know, destruction. Yeah. yeah. Um, listen, I think any of those things that get you through your day are okay. Okay, because I'm going to pick Friday morning as really the beginning of the end for you. And I hope it's not. I really hope it's I not. I don't think it should be, but one never really knows. All right, all right, there you go. Uh, Luke, do you want to get into it? I yeah, don't know. I mean, I could, you know me, I like long intro. I'm the, I'm the Rocco Sofredi of sitting down on a couch in a hotel room and doing those long a intros. A lot of heavy petting is really your, <laughs> yeah, yeah. your vibe. I uh, mean, these were the good old days, Luke. Can we return to that? Will well, we ever question, be this listen, close? We, you and me are ready to deliver at any point. Well, I don't know. You and me are ready to break up every other week, for, to be fair. I'm though. not ready to break I mean, I want to kill you sometimes, <laughs> but, you know, well, who hasn't wanted to kill their partner? But, no, I like you today. You're doing All great right. today. That's great, yeah. I actually I sort of admire your attitude today. It's pretty, I, 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 I needed a little bit of oh, that. All right, um, that, infle- that in, in, infection of inflection. That, that just, no, just you know. like stupid, <laughs> you know, hey, hey, it'll all work out. Just Hello, my forward. darling. Hello, yeah, all right. Uh, anybody we want to shout out? Um... You want to shout out anybody? Anybody in our sphere? Do you like any of our people? Like, is there anyone that you'd shout out? I like out? all of our people, dude. Why would okay. I dislike? What have they done to me? I Nothing. I mean, do you, do you think about Appy at all? No. Do I think about him? Yeah, I mean. No, I do not think about him. Okay, okay. All right. All right. That's uh, great. Thank you. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Well, I hey, guess. Hey, hold on. Not... The most important question what kind of pornography you've been watching? Huh? Uh, uh, Some of those pogs. <laughs> His straw weight fighting an answer. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Okay, people, I, I get. Uh, I don't know, Luke. <coughs> Are you allowed to, ha- to to joke around about shit and not really be about it? People think I'm just this absolute dirt hole that subscribes to 55 OnlyFans accounts. Okay, how many OnlyFans accounts do you subscribe? None. I'm a married man. I'm a happily married man. People are like, the biggest joke of this show is BC trying to come across wholesome. I mean, you know, I do play a dirt hole on TV. You do play a dirt hole on TV, yeah. and you do you do have dirt hole roots. Yeah, uh, it's it's like there was a time that the dirt hole just grew out. Those those roots have been severed, but they're willing to come back. If they're willing to be watered, and you know, at any point they can come back. But I'm all right, let's talk about this fight. You talking about my loins? I just want to say also, I mean, this thing is such a scam. What was that twenty eight dollars? Probably not only is the price it, they they they've used they basically is Doritos that finding an excuse to put everything in a Pringles can. Yes, yes. And all they do, they're like it's called Doritos Minis. Dog, they just broke up the chips. They didn't. They didn't. They just took it's chips just and crushed them in Budweiser, their hand and chucked them in there. As Luke once said, about a forty, right? It's just. It's no, just, no, no, no. A forty of Budweiser is just a forty of Budweiser. It's not. It's not a forty ounce malt liquor. Yeah, malt liquor. Malt liquor is when they add sugar in the fermentation process so they can add more alcohol. What to do it. you think about the personal character of Uber drivers, though? They're not all bad people, right? Dude, I had one the other day. This motherfucker must have been the the, the Tom Brady of Uber drivers. He had something like, I'm not even kidding, something like 10,000 trips, right? Oh, wow. In the last like four years, 100% uh, rating in terms of approval. Wow. I was like, dude, my guy out here is the fucking goat of Uber yeah. drivers. Does it he was, give them like a hot towel and a water? Because sometimes they have like extras. Like, you want the car there? was clean. He had the whole bit where it didn't matter what your phone charger was. Yeah. You could, oh, you could yeah. plug oh, it yeah. in. He didn't talk. Car That's was a nice temper- Car was great. a nice temperature. I was like... This truly is the goat of okay. driver. No, like, because sometimes if somebody's got too much perfume, or let's say they have a weird air freshener, let's no, say no, their no. BO he, is overwhelming. He had it. He had it just right. He had it just. Right. I could see. I could see why he had. All right. You know what's just right? Topic number one, Luke, in the setup for this thing right here. It's undisputed versus undisputed Saturday night at Showtime pay per view, 8 p.m. Eastern start. I mean. You can buy it right now, probably, right? Showtime.com slash PPV. Well, here's the deal. I want to get you fired up. It's Canelo Alvarez defending all four super middleweight world titles against four-belt, 154-pound champion Jermel Charlo. We've talked so much about the daring-to-be-great aspects of this. We've talked so much about everything. I mean, you have did a fantastic dissected fight breakdown that people can catch right now at YouTube.com slash Morning Combat 
And don't forget tomorrow, Thursday, 10 a.m. in the East, you can go to CBS Sports Network on your local cable package, find Luke and I breaking down this fight in professional manner, aggressively, like men do. Luke Thomas, here's what I wanted to ask you, though. Mm -hmm. We talked a lot about storylines. We, we know a lot about what's at stake. I want to start first by dipping into the actual fight, though. What element of this fight, what question that needs to be answered the most? And there's a lot of them from, is Canelo slowing down? How about Charlo's 16-month uh, layoff? Will that be a factor? What about the size difference? A lot of questions. Which specific question that can only be answered in the ring Saturday night has you the most perked up and ready to find out? Ooh, man, there's a bunch of them. There's a bunch of them. By the way, it always drives me nuts that when, like, you know, and I, of course, I appreciate the, the when Showtime takes clips and then yes. promotes the dissected, but then there's always someone in the, in the comments being like, well, so, you know, because it's a clip from an old fight by definition, and someone will be like, oh, well, so-and-so doesn't fight like that. I'm like, right, do you, do you think I don't know that? And also that I didn't state that 50 times in the actual video itself. Okay, but neither here nor there. You're asking, like, the biggest question. I think the one thing, the, the, the two big ones would be how does... Charlo deal with the weight, which again I think is more like a one weight class thing than a two. But so you don't echo what what um, Derek James told me that this is really just two blown up junior middleweights. But something like they're not that. blown up, but like these are two junior middleweights that are just gonna, you know, not have to cut as hard for this. Probably there's a little bit of that, but just Canelo has dealt with much bigger firepower before in ways that I just don't know that Charlo has. Um, so that's a big one. Obviously Canelo, they're both the same age, but Canelo's miles. Like this would be I think something like Charlo's. 35th or 36th victory if he wins, this would be Canelo's 60th. Yeah, Canelo has more knockouts than Charlo has fights. It's just insane. So so that's a big one, too. But I'm, if I'm thinking about, like, nitty-gritty details, the thing I keep coming back to in the fight itself is Charlo's going to get backed up. That's a guarantee. You can mark me down for it. And he will sometimes just cover and roll. We talked a lot about Errol Spence. Put your hands up a little bit. Okay. Just put by your face. Just yeah. put your hands by your face. Errol Spence is very big on grabbing the hands yeah. and manipulating the guard, pushing people. Dude, Charlo doesn't do that. Charlo just holds, kind of rolls, blocks, and then waits. Yeah, he's fucking awesome. He's fun to watch. He's right. just like he's offensively ready right there. To so, but here's the thing: he can't when he has a good jab, but he has a very hard time if guys are very stout with their defense. He has a very hard time opening them yeah. up. So he likes to get them to exchange with him, and then he likes to punch with them. But the thing that's kind of interesting is everyone shits on Charlo's defense. Like, well, he's not a defensive genius, but he's kind of this. Is to get to your point. He's kind of interesting. BC, the weird part about Charlo is he's got good defense, not great, but he will just kind of accept and then roll and whatever and whatever and just kind of take it. And then his opponents begin to think, oh, well, he just is going to sit here and take it. I don't really have to worry about much. And then comes that left hook screaming around the corner. And it so far has set just about everybody it's hit is down. He, is he borderline meaning Charlo? I love this term because it's kind of weird, but it makes sometimes it makes sense. A technical brawler. At times he can be. Yes, at times he can be. It's just very interesting. It's it's almost like his weakness. His he allows he does have a weakness, and this is why it's a weakness because against Canelo, Redman Edwards was talking about this. Like you're just going to give away rounds in Vegas yeah. against Canelo. That's a bad idea. But the reason why it's so interesting to me is because it will feed directly into his greatest strength. When Canelo is pressing up against the fence and he's uppercutting left hook, I am telling you, watch Charlo come change elevation at times with that left hook screaming around the corner. It's one of the best left hooks in all of boxing. 
Canelo has faced bigger punches sure. and punchers, but Charlo's speed is also going to be interesting. I don't know in if Canelo's faced. The, I know he hasn't this exact package, and what I mean by that is the combination of yes, we're, the, some of the some of the questions that need to be answered is Charlo's punch resistance against a legitimate sixty-eight puncher, just as well as can Charlo actually hurt Canelo and discipline him and make him be honest and all that. But I, there's all those questions need to be answered. But when have we seen Charlo Canelo face somebody like Charlo who has who can who has elite speed? who has pretty good pop, who has an absolute backbone and seems to rise to the occasion and can and is sort of that wild card. Like that's even though it's a four to one Canelo favorite with the size difference, everyone's sort of going, but just by the way, you know, Charlo seems to be that dude. He is a lion. He's a, I don't know if Canelo's seen that. And when you also say also have to factor in Charlo used to be a very slick boxer. Like, he can rely on movement when he needs to. Charlo can be different fighters when he has to. Like, if you just watch, let's say, the Jason Rosario fight when they unified titles and he ended up scoring a jab body shot to uh, knock him out, that's the Charlo who at times, when he knows, I think, that he has key advantages over his opponents. Sometimes he gets in that trap of not throwing enough punches. He can be almost like a poor man's Canelo looking for that one big counter shot. But this is a fight where he can't do that. You can't give Canelo rounds. You can't try to play chess with no. Canelo, especially from distance on that level. So we're going to have to see Charlo dip into some of the strengths that he used to be, mix in with who he is now. And that's going to mean the jab. That's going to mean at times moving and trying to make Canelo chase. But really, this fight is going to be won in those pocket exchanges. Yes. And I don't know if Canelo's met somebody this quick and explosive together. Danny Jacobs was a good combination of that when they fought he at middleweight. Much more of a slickster. But he also was a little bit too passive. Like I, 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 yes. I, I thought that fight was was almost a draw. Like and it was close enough. One fifteen, one thirteen. You know, it could, it could have just. I think I scored it a draw in real time, and I felt like if Jacobs had stepped on the gas, he had a shot. So let's fast forward to another somewhat similar opponent when Canelo fought Caleb Plant. None of us picked Caleb Plant in the end, but we knew it was possible. <coughs> and I think what we were asking of Caleb Plant, and maybe this is unfair to say because he would go on to then one-punch Andre or Anthony Durrell, but what we were asking of Plant was to do this movement stuff but also have enough pop to keep Canelo honest and make this a fight. He ultimately couldn't do that. Canelo warmed down and he stopped him. Charlo's like a better version isn't he not? Like almost like a more dangerous version he's of Plant. He's not a Philly show where, guy. While he's not as technical and committed to the boxing, he has not only the speed, he has not only the boxing IQ, but he's got pop and he's ferocious on top of that. So it's a next level. So what it's the whole point is to feed my, what I'm trying to say here is that Canelo really hasn't fought a guy like this in a while. You know what I'm saying? Like, yes. Like this is a unique skill set, a unique mixture, and you just can't ignore that Charlo is, is a motherfucker. Yeah, also, the Dude, did he the, fights like a motherfucker. Canelo opponents don't fight like motherfuckers because he breaks them down. So yeah. there's two things that really interest me from this fight on, in addition to this. One is that if you watch the All Access, which I thought was really interesting, Charlo and Canelo at the same time when they were both 21 were both signed to Golden Boy. And Charlo was looking around at the time being like, damn, Canelo's getting all this attention. Now Charlo is here meeting him at this point, but Canelo is obviously, we just talked about when we met 10 years ago here in Vegas, he's been on top for a long time. And, you know, so he now wants a piece of this, um, you know, the taste of this life that Canelo has. I think that's sort of one thing that's kind of interesting to see, like, where, how their paths emerged here but went very different. Absolutely. Went very different places. The other thing that's kind of interesting to me about Charlo in this one is um, two of his most important fights, he didn't get the job done. It took him a second crack at it. So the Harrison fight, he lost outright the first time. Disputed. 
Could have gone either way. Fair enough, but he didn't put a stamp on it. Absolutely. And in the second fight, he did, even though he was losing some rounds. He finally put Harrison away and then dropped him early in the fight as well. And then in the Castaño fight, really met this guy exactly where he had to and beat him in his own dimension, but it took him the second crack. He knows this is like, dude, if you don't beat Canelo the first time, they're not going to give you a second Absolutely. crack at this. Like, And I do wonder, are those two... Not falling short of expectations anyway the first time. Is that a prelude of things to come? Or is this the fight, having learned from those experiences, exactly. that he comes back around and says, I'm not going to waste any other opportunity? Look, here's the hard part when you're handicapping fights like this, where the true fans know that Charlo's a, a live dog, right? You're going to get some interesting Charlo picks. I mean, Freddie Roach picking Charlo by knockout. That's interesting. That's big. But you understand why Canelo's a 4-1 to favorite in some places. You know, You understand the size difference, the experience gap. Yet I can't get past this sort of motherfucker element in Charlo. And what I mean by that ultimately is there are matchups where we're like, Billy Joe Saunders was one of them, Caleb Plant was one of them, where it's like, okay, I don't think they're going to beat Canelo. But if they are if they are flying at 100% the best performance, they're the best version of their A game, what does that look like? I think in those fights we were like, man, maybe they can keep it close. But I don't think those were the type of guys, Saunders and Plant, where you could say, you know what, but if he has the best, best night of his career, could he actually come over the top and win this? Charlo's the guy that if he has the best night of his career, he can come over the top and win this. I do think it aligns perfectly with with Canelo's recent three-fight stretch where the lo the close loss to Bivol, which was wider than we thought, than it looked, than the scores indicated, and the two decision wins, Triple G and Ryder, where, where he claims left-hand injury, but he looked like he was catching up and getting old. The key on predicting these upsets or or why you should get more excited about this Canelo opponent than this one is does that opponent have a legitimate chance? Can they max out in this fight and raise their game to the next level enough to actually come over the top? Like, is Charlo the type of guy that in hindsight we would go, hmm, we should have saw that. I actually think he is that type of guy. I actually think he's that type of guy where even though he's got a 16-month layoff, even though this ain't Castaño, but the way he fought against Castaño, the arc that he's going, and the problems potentially that he can bring to Canelo, Charlo has that mixture of backbone, nastiness, whatever you want to call it, that he can get over the top. And Luke, you can either look at the all-access and say, I can learn nothing from that, or you, I think you can be smart and try to pick something out. There are things you can learn. Dude, Charlo is like... I didn't, we didn't expect this version of him emotionally, this version of him business-like, I'm gonna give Canelo the respect, but I'm coming. Like, he's not trash talking, he's not trying to no. hype himself up. He is a, a businessman on this trip. He is a cool, calm, collected hitman. His brother's nickname is the hitman. I know that uh, Jermel is the Iron Man, but you get the point, he's acting like a hitman. Dude, That's these are the early signs that are telling you, I don't know if he, in the end, if he can do this against Canelo. We're, like, is Canelo washed or not? You know, probably not. He's probably going to be looking better than he did recently. But if we get the very best of Charlo, this is a problem for Canelo. Make no mistake about it. Don't be the person that misses out on that. Like, this is, there's a fight that, that could break out here that I think will. I think we're going to find out. I mean, the thing is, like, in the second Harrison fight, he didn't wow in the sense that he lost long stretches of it. Whereas in the second Castaño fight, it was a pitched battle back and forth. But the Castaño fight was the last one that we had, the rematch. And he looked so ready for that challenge. He looked so understanding of what his assignment was. 
didn't lose faith in the game plan, yeah. stuck to it, and then put this guy away in the tenth round with a again, what did, what did you notice from it? A fucking vicious left hook that sat him down, and then from Casano couldn't recover. I really, really wonder if all of those fits and starts, and you know, he didn't have a slow start to his career, but relative to Canelo, he did. Um, I wonder if all of those things are building up for this moment to really shock boxing. Or if all those things give us all the information that we have to realize that Canelo's probably going to get an easy win. No, I, you're right. And, and look, and if, they really, well, we'll find out Saturday. And you could say the negative about Charlo. Okay, well, then why would he be in the first fight against Harrison and the first fight against Castaño and maybe play either play down to the level of his opposition or take them lightly? How is he then going to beat um, Canelo? I think the factor you have to focus on is Charlo when he feels like his back is against the wall, when he feels like... You know the pressure is on. He's one of those rare people that that can fuel that. So I think this is similar to that. While it's not the same scenario as the Harrison and in, in Castaño rematches, where it's like, okay, go go, go right the wrong, go fix what you didn't do the first time. But he knows everybody's counting him out, right? You know, from a, from a from a macro standpoint, he's a four to one underdog. He knows that, dude. You mix that with his demeanor on at the press conference and on all, all access, he's coming. He's he's coming. It's just going to find out some of those plus and minus equations. Will his chin be able to carry against somebody as pinpoint as Charlo? Will, I mean against Canelo, will Charlo throw enough punches? Will he be able to use his movement to make Canelo chase? All of that stuff we have to find out. But Luke, we know the historical elements. First time a male reigning undisputed champion is facing another one in this four belt era. To clarify, Luke, people sometimes get on this. Here's the deal. Here's what I can give you on the history of the Four Belt Era. The WBO was created in 1988, so technically that you will say the Four Belt Era began in 1988. But really, it wasn't until 2004 that everyone accepted the WBO as the official fourth sanctioning body. Like that, it re before that, it was sort of like we look at the IBO title or the IBA, like these bullshit third tier ones where it's like, why are you even mentioning that on TV? Eventually, it took a while that the WBO became that. So we're not talking about monster history, but still it's the modern era, last 25 years, last 30 years, whatever. And within that, Luke, interesting stat, Canelo can become, if he gets a win here on Saturday, the first four-belt champion to defend those titles three times. Mm. Typically when it's happened, right? Hopkins was the first one, Jermaine Taylor beat him, he was the second one, and then we didn't see another four-belt champion until Terrence Crawford did it at 140. A lot of times people will do that. That's their big accomplishment in that weight class, and they move on. So we're seeing Canelo put down roots here at 68. That adds another element of history. And then obviously Charlo can join. Terrence Crawford is the only uh, two-division, four-belt champions. Luke, in some ways, this is just another fight for Canelo. We do have to have, like we do have to acknowledge that. His career is littered with fights this big, right? Yes. For Jermel Charlo, this is, this is his career Super Bowl. I saw some early prognosticators going, hey, if he pulls this off, not only does this stamp a Hall of Fame career, like without question, like this is a special moment. Uh, Jermel seems to believe that an accomplishment like this, moving up two weight divisions to win a title, which has happened rarely, usually to big names you know, the Roy Joneses, Tommy Hearns, Sugar Ray Leonard levels, but doing it so many divisions, so like in doing it against a number one in the world type fighter in Canelo, Charlo believes that he can be in the all time pound for pound rankings with with a with a victory like this that seems like a push but i want to give respect to what this accomplishment would mean people on twitter saying you know what if he beats canelo right here we might have to put him number two in the world after crawford in the pound for pound race a new way would certainly have something to say about that yeah but what's your level of meaning on what this would actually mean to jamel charlo's legacy career at age 33 if he pulls off this specific task well if he just like ekes out canelo it's one thing if he like really hurt him that'd be that would 
in order for him to jump in a way, because I don't think anyone's going to jump Crawford, but in order, even then I wouldn't put him above in a way. But let's just say, like, what would he have to do? Flatline him, you know, do something to Canelo that no one's done, knock him down, no one's knocked him down, yeah. knock him out, like no one's done that, really hurt him. You know, but I, I, I worry that even if he does that, People are going to be like, oh, well, you know, he looked bad against Ryder, Canelo did, and he didn't look great against Bivol. Charlo got him on the downswing, right. no but wonder. But Canelo's still, like, number five-ish, pound for pound right now. There's still I'm just saying what the hell. I'm not, I'm not agreeing with that worldview. I'm simply right. saying, what, what's, what are you going to have to navigate if you wanted to give Charlo his props? You're going to have to navigate people being like, yeah, but this Canelo is either washed or washed light or something like that. So he's going to be up against it no matter what. Hall of Fame seems like a lot. Or, no, sorry. Not, no. Hall of Fame, if he beats Canelo, is, I think, in play. All-time great, no. No, I think that would still require something else. Yeah. Like, Bud is trying to do it by beating Canelo, by beating, you know, getting the third undisputed weight. Yeah, that's all-time shit. You know, you got to do something extra, extra, extraordinary. But uh, well, we are adding Jermel's name to right now, which is the most fun division, 168. So many fighters that we still need to find what their ceiling is, meaning... Benavidez, uh, meaning David Morrell, meaning Andrade as well. I mean, there's a lot of guys where, who we're trying to find out. Um, but if you're Jermel Charlo, win or lose, you might get Bud Crawford next. I mean, this is just huge. It's well, that's the interesting part. It's like the winner gets Bud Crawford, right? Because if Charlo wins... Well, no, that's not true. If Charlo wins, they're going to do a rematch, right? Yeah, probably, yeah, depending on the... Yeah, depending on... I don't know what the language in any contract with Canelo is regarding the rematch, but Charlo seemed to basically say, yeah, I'm going to have to beat him twice. But I think if Charlo fights well but loses, you can do that Crawford fight for all four uh, yeah, junior Crawford, Doesn't Crawford want Canelo? He does. I mean, it comes down it comes down to business, I guess, at the end of the day, and sitting at the table and figuring it out. Because Canelo could have Jermall next. He could have David Benavides at the end of that to close his three fights. So there's a, the, the great, this is a great spot for uh, PBC and Al Heyman to be with and to be in here. Um, Luke, this is also a really good undercard for the pay-per-view level that we're going to see Saturday. Yeah. Uh, 19-year-old, or 20-year-old now, I believe, Elijah Garcia is going to be taking on Armando Resendiz. That's, in some ways, it's sort of a prospect showcase fight, but also it, it doubles as maybe the toughest test of, uh, of the young career of Garcia, but he's looked pretty good on this rise for just a teenage kid there out of Arizona. But look, this Ugas, your Danis Ugas fight against Mario Barrios. Uh, for, People are sleeping. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's for the interim <clears throat> WBC title or whatever. The whole point is the winner's going to get a big fight, whether that's Keith Thurman, Boots Ennis, who knows, right? Uh, this is going to be fun, right? Like, yeah. It's hard to, but isn't it hard though to find a path to victory for Barrios? Or do you go, hey, Ugas is 37. Like he's also. Yeah, I, mean, I remember we haven't seen Ugas since Errol Spence broke his face, you know, and that was a terrible eye injury. God, Danny Segura interviewed Ugas in Miami maybe like six months after that fight, and he was like, dude, his eye was still red and messed yeah. up. So, like, who knows? Who knows? You know, Ugas at his best has a much higher ceiling than Barrios, but. Is that the Ugas we're getting? Who the that's fuck knows? Also, dude, uh, Jesus Ramos on this card. Okay, so against, that's the co-main event. Okay, against Erickson Lubin is dynamite. Can't yes. miss. You don't know who Jesus Ramos is. You're about to find yeah, out. I believe he's just 22 years old. Jesus Ramos Jr. He's the nephew of, uh, of uh, what's his uncle's name, that fights also on a lot of these cards, too. Uh Abel. Abel, Abel Ramos. Ramos. Yeah. Thank you. Sorry for that slip up. So, but here's the deal. Erickson Lubin looking, uh, coming off a big win of his own right there against Cuba Arias, a stoppage win. 
he's he always wants to smoke Erickson Lubin, so I'm not surprised Fuck, he's guys. taking this. But this is going to be a shootout. Like Erickson Lubin just had the fight of the year with Fundora, an absolute war. This is going to be a gunslinger and slinging affair before it's all said and done. And look, you got to think about what this fight could mean. Lubin has always wanted the rematch with Charlo, who knocked him out in the first round all the way back, you know, years ago. Was it 2016? And how about Ramos as a potential opponent for either Jermel Charlo, if he hangs around as undisputed champion, or Tim Zhu, who's climbing that ladder? Like, mm -hmm. to have another player, whoever wins this fight is going to be in a spot to be a big player on this level. That's going to be a fun-ass fight. Um, Luke, what do you think about going back to the main event for a second? I was doing a category-by-category category breakdown for a, a preview that's going to run Friday on CBS Sports about this fight. And I like to do that and sort of look at it. So you want to go category by category here on this main event? Let's do it. And feel it out a little bit? It's Canelo versus Charlo. Let's go power first. Who has the edge and, and how close is the edge in your mind? Canelo stopped Kovalev at 175. I'm going to give him the edge. Yeah. There's no question Canelo deserves the edge here. He's a noted body knockout threat as well. But Charlo can thump. Charlo yes. can punch. And Charlo's four inches taller, two and a half inches longer with reach. Uh, we... Like, I don't know, what do we expect him to weigh in at, Jermel Charlo? Like, what should he put on, in your, in your opinion, muscle to try to, to try to be in there with Canelo? Or is this more about speed and maybe being, you know, not too far from where he would be in a... Yeah, I think a little bit of muscle is probably going to be beneficial, if for no other reason than to just be sturdy to handle any yeah. of the inside fighting. But you saw in the training on All Access, he was like, I don't want to put on so much muscle that I'm losing speed and explosivity and footwork. Because, here's the other part... Lateral movement is going to be absolutely yes. fucking critical in this fight. Yes. Uh, one more note on power. I read an interesting interview that I texted you about in Sporting News uh, on the website that they talked to Austin Trout, who's the common opponent between Canelo and Charlo. Yeah. Now, remember, he fought Canelo 10 years ago to double unify. Double check this to make sure it's still working. Go ahead. Keep yeah, going. T t 10 years ago, they fought to unify titles at 154. Three years later, uh, Trout fought. Jermel Charlo lost the 12 round majority decision, came on late, and like, you know, that was such a necessary fight on the growing arc of Jermel Charlo because he didn't look, he looked human at times and he pulled that off. But here's what Charlo said I'm sorry, what uh, Trout said. He said against Canelo, even though he got knocked down by that vicious right hand in the sixth round, he said he had no problem walking down Canelo. And if you remember, that fight had open scoring. So we found out at round eight, thinking that Trout was either ahead or that this was a close fight, one judge had it eight to nothing you know, for Canelo at that point. So Trout had to come forward down the stretch. But he said he was able to come forward consistently without fear, whereas against Charlo, he was not able to come forward at all. Hmm. He had to fight exclusively off the back foot. But that doesn't match the experience that, like, on tape, like, Rosario walked Charlo down. Well, that's um, also when when Charlo's trying to be that one-punch counterpuncher. He'll, he'll let you walk yes, in. Yes. I don't think he can do that with Canelo. So I guess my question here is, he was basically saying the combination, the threat of the speed and power of Charlo was enough for Trout to need to be working off that back foot, and he couldn't take chances. Does that speak to the fact that when Trout fought Canelo, it was 10 years ago, and he was fighting at 154, he was considered slow in terms of his foot and hand speed, so he was more of an accurate timed counterpuncher. Like, are those, is that quote, are those, is that experience notable heading into this fight in terms of how, how big of a threat either one really is? I don't think so. I don't, I, I, these guys are different now. I mean, if you look at old footage of Canelo, he was way more wide open. Now he's much more careful. Charlo is Charlo just became a very different boxer where before his right hand was a real big potent weapon and it is, but now it's like 
his third or fourth best weapon. Yeah. That's really not what he relies on at all. They're very different fighters, very different game plans, very different realities. I mean, you know, Trout knows more about boxing than I do, obviously, but I just don't feel like... The, I, I, the recent stuff is what matters. Yeah. You are who you're bringing into the cage, not what you did, or the, the ring, excuse me. Um, you know, 10 years ago is a nice thing in your feather in your cap, but it doesn't tell you shit about Saturday. Well, he fought Canelo when Canelo was a different fighter, and who Canelo has evolved to since moving up to middleweight. I mean, we thought he was too small for a middleweight when he went in there in the Golovkin fights, and he proved us wrong, and then he moved up to 68, and then did what, we did, what he did at 75 against Kovalev. So that plays into speed, number two category. Look, Canelo has never been known as fast. He's always offset that with timing, with IQ, with incredible head and trunk movement to be able to kind of like be in close. And I know this is more about defense in some ways, but he's offset that. I think moving up in weight has also lessened the deficiency he had. At 154 against quicker opponents, he was just outquicked. We've seen him in fights where he, he had the faster hands. So when you look at this matchup, Charlo's an athlete that Canelo doesn't typically face on this level. So my knee jerk is to go, yeah, Charlo's the faster fighter. He's the fighter in the smaller weight classes. I think that makes sense. But did Canelo get faster over the last decade? Or do you think it's more just he looks faster against the higher weight classes? I think his mechanics have polished up. Uh, that's big. But I, I, his timing. His timing is excellent. His anticipation is really good. Like the uppercut he caught... Caleb Plant with, or how about the uppercut he caught Billy Joe Saunders yes. with, where he timed where he knew the guy was going to be and was throwing in that location. And that's not a so spot where you, you think it's going to be dangerous, right? Saunders right. kind of leaning to the side. Way off, way off to the side. And Canelo met him there knowing he would be there, and that's where he's devastating. So broke I do, his face. Broke his, his, I, broke, I broke the inside of the eye socket uh, near the eyeball. So like, that's where, that's where Canelo shines. Shines on pressure, anticipation, timing, you know, real craft work like that, whereas I think Charlo has some of those things, but it's going to be quicker. All right, Charlo does have good footwork, not Canelo-level footwork, but he's going to have a speed advantage. He's the smaller fighter moving up. He is a fast fighter. I think part of Charlo's power is the explosiveness of his speed. How significant, though? Like, when we... That's one of the things we're going to be looking in the first two rounds, to see... Once they, you know, you're going to see what strategies they're implementing, who's going to be the boxer, who's going to be the counterpuncher, all that stuff. But do you think Charlo, it's going to be a huge adjustment period for Canelo due to that hand speed, especially if Charlo's bouncing in and out? No, Charlo's relatively easy to find. He doesn't have super elusive footwork. He has consistent footwork. He has good footwork, but he doesn't have Arislandi Lara footwork, or he can really dance on the outside, you know that you because he's he, a hunter. I mean, he is a hunter at the end of the day. Who Charlo? Charlo, yeah, and Char I think, and also again, Charlo wants you to exchange with him because that's where he can when he punches with guys. That's when he has his moments. So, but he's got to go back to the box. I think. Tell me if I'm the wrong. Jab, the jab's gonna be he's key. He's got a, the first half of this fight. He's got to win as many rounds as he can as a boxer. I think if your game plan is to win rounds against Canelo, like you're all you already lost. Dude. I think you know. I think you have to ha make sure that you have the lead entering to the second half because you know Canelo's going to make adjustments. I want to say normally he doesn't get tired, but last couple fights again he's looked somewhat human. But you want to set it up so that if Charlo's going to have a chance to peak late and outfight Canelo, you want to have that cushion of rounds built up. Maybe so. Maybe so. I just feel like what you really have to do is you have to. Dude, you have to do what Bivol did, not in the same way that he did, but like Bivol was like making Canelo cover up and just take damage. Yeah. 
he was way more aggressive than we'd ever thought Bevo would. I remember saying, yeah. like, he can't win this with the European style of... Touch just, and go. Yeah, yeah, touch and go and just hoping that the judges give it to you. And he went after it. Now, it helps that Bevo is also fast for that size. Big. Much bigger than him. And the technique, Bivol has the old school, super, clean, yeah. super amazing And he's technique. 175. We're talking about the 154 champ moving up. I understand. I'm just saying, um, man, you got to really go in there and you got to hurt. You got to, you have to, you have to like demonstrably hurt Canelo. Yes. You have to demonstrably land on him. That's, that, that is your only path to victory against this guy in Las Vegas, Nevada. One thing I'll close on the speed comment is it's not that, that you know, Canelo, did he fight prime Gennady Golovkin? Well, he fought the prime second half version of Gennady. I mean, let's not forget Canelo, who typically has not done things wrong with his with his uh, platform as the you know most popular fighter and arguably the best. He's always, but one of his big missteps was making Triple G weight two years. This was like part of, this was when Canelo was fighting at middleweight, but at catchweights, right? Mm -hmm. At Cotto weights, where it was sort of like, is he a real middleweight or not? But yet, when he went in there, dude, his speed advantage against Triple G was so wide, in fact. People forget this. Triple G, I scored the first two, <coughs> while I scored the first two fights for Triple G, I'm saying he won it with the jab, if you did score it with him. Canelo took away his right hand completely mm -hmm. due to, obviously, his defense and movement, but the speed. Triple G could not throw right hands without getting countered. That's basically right. what, what I'm talking about. So I wonder, um, does that make Canelo faster than we realize? Or is there the potential for that same thing to happen, but flipped? Could Charlo's speed be too much for Canelo for certain stretches? I want to see I, that. I think I it can be, out. yes. It's going to be interesting. Number three, I'm going to go to uh, technique, Luke. Boxing technique, you know, all of that timing. Well, not to be a dick, but there. if we do this long preview, we can't get to much else because Mikey wanted us to have a... Uh, How, where are we at on time right we're now? We're about 45 in. It's a good show, though. You know? a, I, I don't mind it. Work. I'm just trying to give you a heads up. Let's keep it going here. Right? We're in a groove. Luke, technique. I mean, Canelo is more of the pure boxer. Leans Canelo has more tools. Canelo has more tools. He has, Certainly he has offensively, more tools. right? More variety, too. Even defensively, he has more tools. The defense of Charlo is, again, lateral movement. He has a high guard. Um, he can catch a lot of stuff. Uh, but his jab gets countered pretty consistently. Castaño did it. Harrison Harrison did a great job at it. In fact, you go back and watch the second Harrison fight, Harrison would touch just to get into range and then just poke holes in his defense all over the place. And it wasn't until he got Harrison really kind of coming after him where the big left hook can, would go, and then that was the big problem for him. But, like, you know, playing the kind of... Uh, you know, paper cut game in yeah. front of you. He got he he got he was clearly overmatched. Canelo much better on this level. Again, unless Canelo's this way and Charlo's yeah. this way in a very pronounced. I mean, I think Charlo sacrifices certain things when it comes to defense or technique for explosiveness because he is a hunter. He's going out there to finish you and take you apart. So I would lead Canelo that way. But here's a key question. Let's say you're a hardcore Canelo fan, or let's just say you're a hardcore better, and you go, hey, guys, you can talk up this, the chances for Charlo all you want. He's still moving up two weight divisions. He's still coming off a 16-month layoff. And we're expecting to see a better version of Canelo than we have recently. But what about this, Luke? If Canelo does win the way a 4-1 to favorite should, I think we're all expecting the size to be the difference. Are you wondering if also the technical gap could be so large that it's not so much about size. Is there, is there a way here that Canelo dominates and controls this fight just by being more technical and seemingly one step ahead in how he traps people and sets them up? Yeah, um, there, that could be. Again, it, it really just depends on where Canelo is, um, which is somewhat in dispute in this whole equation. But to answer the question, yeah, I, I do think he, I mean, 
you know, for example, Plant is a slickster relative to Charlo, and Canelo was still able to find him and hunt him down and get him. Now, a different set of weapons, different sets of trapping, different kind of considerations about range. But, you know, Char Charlo and Canelo both like the mid-range. Same with Tony Harrison. But that's where Harrison was lighting him up, right? That was the issue. The issue was yeah. he was when he was careful and make... The thing is this. If you can keep Charlo behind this, where he doesn't exactly know what's coming and he has to make, you know, considerations about when to throw his jab... He's quite beatable there for, for, for elite guys, for super elite yeah. guys. But if you can't do that, then that's where the problems begin. I think Canelo, if Canelo is the guy that we recognized from whatever you think his last really good performance was, uh, then I think he should be able to. But I just... Yeah, well, I'd I buy Canelo's excuse about the injury because he has been so active. These three fights that he you know hasn't looked number one pound for pound level, they've been over a pretty consistent stretch. So I'll give him that benefit of the doubt. If he can train at full speed, this seems to be a have this fight has bigger terms than the Ryder fight, and maybe even the Triple G fight. I mean, I know that that had a historical element of their trilogy, but that wasn't a you know a, a, a I mean Canelo could have coasted through that to a certain degree. You can't coast here against Charlo, but are we asking too much for Charlo to say? We expect you, if you're going to have a chance to do this, because if Canelo looks old at all, it's going to be, in my opinion, not ab the ability to not fight three full minutes, right? That's the first time Pacquiao started to look old in certain fights. I was like, okay, he can only fight for 90 seconds. The rest of the time, he's got to kind of, mm -hmm. you know, maintain position. Is Charlo more likely, is it going to be the issue? If he falls apart here, is it going to be the chin or the gas tank? Like, are we asking too much of him to say, basically, we're gonna have to, you're going to have to go in there against a bigger puncher, fight 12 hard rounds, and have the gas tank to outwork him. Because that's how he's going to beat him. He's going to outwork the older man with more mileage, even though they're the same age, right? But is Charlo like a high-volume guy? He's not, statistically. No, and that's why I think we got a little bit too nervous during that stretch when he was not throwing enough punches, when he was so efficient and accurate, almost like an NBA player that shoots you know, 50% from the outside. You're just like, oh, my God. But, mm -hmm. but we need him to be more aggressive. Now he was against Castaño. Yes. You know, I mean, this isn't Castaño. But, but Castaño also brought the fight right to his face. Also, so. That's going to be interesting to see. Um, let's go to number four, which is defense. Charlo's more aggressive. He's there to be hit more, even though I don't think he's irresponsible on de he's defense. Not. But, dude, Canelo is a brilliant defender yeah. for a guy who's considered flat-footed, right? Like, just a master of, of head, trunk movement. And not just to avoid the punch, but to be able to set up brilliant counter shots for sure you like there's there's a reason why very few fighters can stand and trade with canelo for long stretches if you become an ass even charlo in this one if he becomes too big for his britches and fights like an asshole you're gonna get stopped right i mean that's just what it is and that that's usually built off of canelo's incredible defense that's right there's just no denying canelo has much more sophisticated defense now whether that will matter if charlo can land a huge shot we shall see but the levels, again, you know, this is not like Bud Crawford, who's got real sophisticated defense and range management. Charlo likes the mid-range and gets hit in the mid-range as a consequence and, you know, has a real basic but sturdy kind of guard and just kind of plays with it a little bit. Um, yeah, there's no denying Canelo's defense is much, much more layered, much more battle-tested, frankly, much more... Uh, you know, not against Bivol, but yeah. in general, much better. Sometimes you can throw chin into the defense category because it's part of being sturdy and being able it to is. withstand. Um, do we do we know that Charlo has a bad chin? No, I mean we. He's no, very it isn't sturdy. a bad chin at all. No, like so he's got a great reputation. It's just that Canelo 
has a great chin and has shown it at 68 and 75 right. and has never been knocked down and really only Jose Miguel Cotto that one time with that one punch that we're still talking about Years from ago. like 2010 or whatever. That was the Mosley and uh, Floyd card, right? Yes, I mean, that's Who way are back. you picking? Remember that? Oh, yeah. Oh, I have that poster still, yeah. Um, all right, so five, number five of the final category is intangibles, which can factor into different things here. I think it's almost a push basically on coaching. You've got two of the best in the game, Eddie Reynoso for Team Canelo. You've got Derek James, the defending trainer of the year for Charlo. But then you also have, how about the factor of um, of the, the secondary trainer there? What's the guy's name? Uh, uh, Joan Guzman. Joan Guzman, who like had a really good career. Won titles in two divisions, had a 34-1-1 record, retired about 10, 12 years ago. But like, you know, he's not a household name. People don't talk about him. But, dude, he's playing a major role as sort of a day-to-day trainer, helping Charlo with a lot of the sophistication, the attitude, the intensity. I went back and watched some... Now, I remember covering his the, the end part of his career, but I went back and watched some Guzman fights. Dude, that's Charlo. That's the Charlo who fought Castaño. Mm. That's Joan Guzman. Technically there, but aggressive. I mean, Guzman called himself like mini Tyson. He fought like a motherfucker, that dude. This might be a push in that area. Obviously, when we're talking intangibles, we're talking the layoff, the size difference, all this stuff. We're also talking about the dog and Charlo, though. We're also talking about Canelo's experience. Who has the edge overall in this sort of wild card category? It's gotta be Canelo, dude. Canelo's experience is second to none. Um, this is not the biggest fight of Canelo's career, but this is definitely the biggest fight of Charlo's. Canelo has been here and done that. Now, again, is he too old? Uh, we, we shall we shall see. We'll find out. But in terms of like the extra stuff, who has proven that they have it up to this point? Canelo. The question is, is the grasp on that slipping or yes. not? Yes, and is Charlo coming on and peaking? Final question on this, Luke. Does Derek James need a win here or a great showing to protect his name? And I, I don't believe that, but that is, you know, boxing Twitter or boxing X can be the, the most brutal spot. What do you think about that? I mean, tough road. When you have big name clients, you're gonna be in the biggest fights of the year back to back like this, you know? I mean, I think people are preying on his downfall, like, you know. Like, uh, see, he wasn't that great. This happens yeah. to every Happens coach. to every great coach. They have a big burst of success. Then they have a, you know, they come back to earth and everyone wants to discount him. Derek James is in that territory right now, which is not fair, but it is the inevitable, what do you want to say, life cycle yeah. of elite coaches. You go from being the best in the world to, in the minds of everyone else, trash. Um, but also, you know, he has a very tough assignment here trying to beat Canelo Alvarez like it's yep. not he doesn't take you know people are like oh he didn't win the bud fight yeah he had to fight fucking bud crawford that's a real difficult assignment you have to fight canelo alvarez that's a real difficult assignment any one of these wins if he could manage one would be great as you yeah. smirk like a french rapist no i'm just really excited about this fight luke uh keep it going on we our do show. need to move along though yeah to topic 2 it's going to go down friday one fight night 14 singapore indoor stadium uh, Amazon Prime, and look, this is an all-female main card. Four fights there. Stan Fairtex is going to be taking on Ham Co. He for the interim and Adam Weight one MMA title. Angela Lee is the one Adam Weight title. She had a fantastic fight a couple years back against Stamp, in which she won. She still obviously uh, hasn't committed to her future after the uh, passing of her sister and the recent revelations about suicide and all that. Look, this is going to be a banger. Stamp's a superstar. I don't think you're you're ready to agree with that and welcome that into your life, but she is, Luke. Uh, the fan, <clears throat> excuse me, the fans certainly love her. I think she's a big hit for one. She throws vicious elbows all the time, like they're jabs all she, the time. She throws. Um, she's fun to watch. She's fun to watch. She's exciting. She goes after it. 
um, you know, there's a question of like how big of a North American or North American star can she be? And these questions only relevant not for Asian audiences, but remember, one is trying to have four shows in the U.S. next year. It will become relevant under those considerations. But even then, if the Denver show, she fought on the Denver show, right? I believe she did. She did. She um, was featured with Rod Tang on there. Yeah, I mean, they, they were already kind of warming up to her. So I don't have like a, a great breakdown of this fight per se, but... Um, I mean, I, w I mean, if, look, I don't know Angela Lee's future, and I'm not putting any pressure on her, nor should anyone, but if they eventually build toward a unification rematch there, look, that's not only a great fight, there's some star power there, there's some there's some tuning in, okay? Yeah, All right? huge Stamp star power. is working on her English as well. Um, the other fight of, of note, I mean, look, Luke, we're going to get in that co-main event, a strawweight Muay Thai title fight with Samilia Sundell against Alicia Helen Rodriguez. I don't think that's that fight's moving you, is it? No, it's not. All right, what about Danielle Kelly, who you can check out my interview, youtube.com slash morning. In combat. She's facing Jessica Khan, who was the 2023 world champion at the uh, IBAA FBNI, one of those. You know what I'm talking yes, about. Yes, right? I do know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Khan beat Kelly a couple years back, Luke, when they when they submission grappled. Um, this could be a chance for Kelly to get like a real sort of underline, because she is sort of an American fun prospect, Luke, but she does have her detractors. If she goes in there against a world champion and avenges a defeat, this is for the inaugural one Adam Waite submission grappling title. Is this a breakthrough opportunity for her? I don't think any of these submission grappling things are breakthrough opportunities. I think it's a good opportunity for the grappler to make some money. And I, I don't mean to dismiss the significance yeah, of it. you just took a shot on it. But, like, is this really what, is the grappling side really what moves the one product? I don't, I, a little bit it does, a little bit. But I don't know that this is a giant contributor for that. All right. Jing, Zhang Jingnan will take on Nat Jerunsak. That'll be a strawweight special rules bout. Uh, also, John Lineker on that undercard, Luke. Hands of stone. Yeah, um, that's where we're at here. One fight night, 14. We didn't ever talk about that Rod Tang title fight, but it wasn't a title Again, fight. Again, Superlek. Superlek yeah. missed weight, and then a very close decision win for Superlek. Did you go back and watch that-ish? I did, I did. People thought Rod, so there were some people that thought Rod Tang won. I did not. I thought Superlek won. Um, Hey, run it back for the title if he can make weight. If he can make weight. Call Chef Kaz, please, all right? right. But the interesting, I, got, I, didn't, I said it again, dude. Like, all of these kickboxing orgs, like Chuck Norris's organization used to promote ta uh, knockouts, not tapouts. They all were like, kickboxing is a better alternative to MMA. Fans don't even like the ground part. And it just, the pitch never worked. And then they came along and said, hey, we have an idea. Why don't we just make these motherfuckers wear uh, four-ounce gloves yeah. and... The fans light up like Christmas trees they for do. it. They do, they do. It works big time for them. It's super violent. Muay Thai purists hate it, so I don't really know what the right answer is, but they do need to run that fight back. They need to do it under conditions where it's you know, fully optimized, five rounds, four belt, the whole nine yards. So this was an interesting prelude and ended up being a much better fight than I thought a lot of folks had assumed given how the, car, the, the main event degraded over yeah. the course of the week. Um, but... It, Dude, it delivered pretty well, all things considered. Okay, I know you're going to have a negative response to some aspect of this, but for the... Do you want to karate chop the air again? <laughs> RSD Chatri Sid Yong Tong one day. He won't sit down. Okay, but let's say All these guys want to sit down with influencers who are going to lick their balls. Let's like. just say he does. Would you, would you be down for that? You'd be apprehensive. You'd be. Uh, apprehensive. It's like, what's the point in talking to the guy? To try He's to get me on his, his Apprentice season two. That's, that's <laughs> I mean, obviously, that's with Jake, with Jake, <coughs> the MK documentarian. Dude, he, Jake might be filming this week, I heard. What, are you down with that? 
Um, we got to tell the story I mean, of this year. I mean, why not? What the do we story have to of this year has been Shakespearean, Luke. That's one way to put it. That's one way to put yeah, it. Or um, maybe more like... Uh, yeah, but he won't sit down. Like all, they, they only want to talk to toadies who won't push them on anything. So Chatri, our couch cushion is, is open if you'd like to. Right here. We can, we can make you. Let's hold hands. Let's go. Uh, let's go to topic number three. So October 14th, the zone pay-per-view is legitimately making us care. We, I care about KSI versus Tommy Fury. And of course, do you care? Logan Paul versus Dylan Dennis. Logan Paul has been issued a restraining order by, I'm sorry, Logan Paul's fiance, Nina Agdal has issued a court or ordered restraining order against Dylan Dennis for his cyberbullying and, Sexual. Yeah, I mean, it's borderline, uh, not quite, but borderline revenge porn. Uh, um, so here's the deal, Luke. Everyone's kind of just waiting for Dylan Dennis to pull out of this fight. I mean, we've seen well, it coming a mile away. Yesterday? I'm going to get to that. We've seen it coming a mile away due to his recent history and all of that. And when you have Mike Perry as the scheduled backup who has already appeared at the press conference, the idea of Mike Perry versus Logan Paul is just the type of gas station shit, Luke, that you just tell your doctor, I know I've got this black liver, but I need to ingest this in my body. Dylan Dennis tweets, I'm over this shit a day and a half ago. And suddenly all of us Mike Perry fans are going nuts, but Dennis would come back this morning and say, I have not pulled out, but your dad should have. I mean, it was an attempt, right? That was like... When, um, I mean, it was close. Like, remember when Gordon Hayward tried to hit that half-court bank shot against Duke to win the champion? Like, it was close, right? It was close. Dude, who is, let me ask you, who, who do you think the audience is for this? Like, those kinds of jokes. Dylan's or mine? That one. Um, but your dad should have. Like, that is definitely someone who has licked windows before, right? Yeah. I mean, look, dude. Window I lickers. ICP, you know, they still draw. You know what I mean? There's middle America can, you know, you can, you know what I mean? Hasselhoff so this is was for big the, in Germany. This right? is for the juggalos of the fight game. Is that who this is for? It's supposed to be so shitty and trashy that it should, we should be above it, but I can't be above this. No, I don't want to be above it either. I just, I'm just amazed that there are people who are like into this, into this. Like we're into it as like, hey, let's watch some, let's watch Jerry Springer. Right. Let's okay. Watch Jerry yeah. Springer. This is Jerry Springer. This is. I mean, Dylan Paul. Dylan Paul. God, I'm. I'm washed. I'm blown. You get paid to do this. Dylan Dennis versus Logan Paul in boxing is actually interesting enough. You add in all the lawsuit and the girlfriend stuff. You add in knowing that if this falls apart at any point, Mike Perry's there to save the day for all of us. Yeah. This is the perfect soap opera. So I got to ask you, Luke, is Dennis gonna fight? Because I got you. I could argue from the beginning they might have been. The whole promotion may have been smart enough to essentially just hire Dennis to do publicity for this, knowing he doesn't want to fight, and then all, all along it's going to be Logan Paul versus Mike Perry. That's some pro wrestling bullshit, but I'm in the way this has played out, Luke. I'll say this. It's like Dylan Dennis has definitely farmed an identity of getting dunked on. Yeah. Like, he welcomes getting dunked on because any attention is attention, and if you don't really have any self-respect as a person... You're just completely okay with that, right? And it's good to, if you don't, again, if you have no self-respect, it's a great way to um, build a fight career where everyone just hates your guts and wants to see you dunked on. But you could only do that, and you could do that for a long time, but it feels like there are certain lines in the sand you can't cross. And I'm not saying he can't pull out of fights. Of course, he has before. But doesn't it feel like if he pulls out of this one, wouldn't that be ruinous? <laughs> 
I mean, more, I have to say, Luke, more ruinous than getting punched and knocked down in the uh, pull-around circle of that Holiday Inn at that last Influencers event when that YouTuber punched him. More ruinous than tapping out to that uh, restaurant security staff member, yeah, Rent-A-Cop. Yeah. Um, he's already 30 now. Yeah, he should probably just go forward with this fight and just take whatever my th happens. My thought is, like, people want to see him dunked on, but it's like... If he withdraws from this fight, legitimately, who books him for another one? Somebody does, but not this high profile. I mean, they put all this money into the marketing effort. Yeah. They did all this stuff. If yeah. you can't even deliver on that, they don't want to. Who's going to want to put up the money to do this? Yeah, I mean, but there, do you think there's a part of him that just doesn't want to take the ass kicking? And yeah, of course. I mean, this guy, you know, because this is not his skill set. Also, and if Logan Dennis Paul's jacked and probably on the gear. There's no, no, I say that because who cares? I say that because Dennis is accusing him of being on the gear uh, like and the I, drug like, testing of the fight. And yeah, all that. like I give a shit one way or the other. I mean, the, oh, Dylan Dennis and Logan Paul are going to box. Boy, I sure hope that they're not using any performance-enhancing drugs. Otherwise, they would sully this otherwise grand and regal event. Okay, how good if it happens is Mike Perry versus Logan Paul going to be? Not, I don't don't tell me who's going to win because, but how good it's going to be fun, right? It's going to be fun. I will tell you, it's going to be a great day for Logan Paul's dentist. Wow, it's going to be a great wow. day. Luke Thomas speaking. He's Am I talking. wrong? I'm not even like I'm not bashing he, Logan he Paul. He should be, but I'll say this: I it was still, a good day for Luke Rockhold's dentist. Look, was Floyd versus Logan Paul anything in the end? It was weird. I do give Logan Paul credit for not getting knocked out. In that. I mean, he got stole on pretty continuously. True, but he had enough of at least a hard counter jab where Floyd's like, you know what? I'll just kind of let this be where it is. You know, I don't. know. There was something weird in that fight where Floyd was. Remember after those comments from Floyd, he's like, yeah, I can't do this anymore. Like, I, yeah, I even Floyd was like, Floyd was surprised he couldn't put him away. So I'm saying if he, and he is a great athlete, he's way bigger than, um, you know, Mike's going to get to that chain he just did against Luke. Dude, yeah. Mike just beat the fuck out of Luke Rockhold. Like Either way, this is going to be, this is, wow. Okay, topic number four, Luke. Um, it's the fallout here of this Mark Hunt trial. Yeah, lawsuit, not trial. A tr lawsuit. And the breaking tweet we all reacted to from Jason Morin said, breaking Mark Hunt loses lawsuit filed against the UFC, Dana White, and Brock Lesnar after court grants defendant's motion for summary judgment on all claims. And remember, Hunt claimed that White in the UFC knew Lesnar was on PEDs ahead of UFC 200 and claimed he that Dana and company encouraged Brock to fight anyway. You remember that they did that switcheroo rule with USADA where, you know, Brock was able to come back on, what, three months of testing rather than six or I think or it was year. four, but yeah. Yeah, it was, you know, they did the reach around there. Um, so, Luke Thomas, what does this mean? It's beyond Mark Hunt probably owing a shit ton of legal fees. Yeah, I mean, he was up to 400K in 2021. Poor Mark Hunt. But they're basically saying that he had no evidence. It was like this is... So Mark Hunt's basic claim, I'm going to skip the legalese and just get right to the heart. Please. Mark Hunt's claim is that when they gave... Brock Lesnar, the six-month way, they waived the six-month in the USADA testing pool so he could fight at UFC 200. He is claiming that they knew he was on PEDs. They knew it. They, they, they knew it. I knew it when he came out for that Q&A and took his shirt off. You know what I'm talking about with yeah. Megan O'Leary. Yeah. I don't even think he took the shirt off, but he was just like, it was mm. saucy, dude. He yeah. was saucy Although shit. Brock's got some weird-ass teeth. You ever seen those te teeth? No, I don't, I don't. I don't. My man looks like he's got those George Washington wooden teeth. Does is it enough to take the focus off of the fact that that sword is definitely a penis topper? I'm just I'm right not. here in the Rogan, yeah, hitting by the dick. So the basic idea is that he claims that, but the problem is, it doesn't matter what you claim, and it doesn't matter what you believe, and it doesn't even matter what you think you can infer from what other people believe. What matters is what you can prove, and he was never able. 
um, to prove to the judge and the the to summer, even make this a trial. To right? even make just it, like, he, they, they, were, they, they asked for summary judgment and they got it basically. Um, the judge was like, there is no evidence, and they you know they went through this discovery process of emails and texts and everything else. There was simply no evidence that they he could corroborate the claim that they knew he was on PEDs. Now you might be asking why this is important because here is what the big revelation might be. The UFC was really going to get tested here. They were going to get tested in the sense that if they waive that six-month uh, requirement, does that open them up to legal liability if the other person pops? Because mm. that's what happened here. And the judge was like, no. And there's another wrinkle to it. Mark Hunt and his attorneys tried to make a claim that like, oh, well, with Lesnar with all these drugs in his body, it was like fighting with brass knuckles. And the judge was like, yeah, sorry, you didn't prove that either. The judge pointed out there's not a huge difference between this performance from Lesnar and any other thing. By the way, Lesnar also only tested positive for clomiphene, so you actually haven't even corroborated that he had perform he had, excuse me, anabolic steroids in his system. Now we all know that there might be that the the clomiphene's being used to disguise or mask other forms of use. Fine, but the yeah, judge. Let's be fair. But again, Brock was on every steroid for that 200 fight. Okay, but clear. again, it doesn't matter what you believe. What matters is what you can prove. And sure. what he got popped for was clomiphene. And the judge's point is show me the difference on tape that there is a marked visual difference that you yeah. could point to. And if it's only clomiphene, you actually have it by law established that he had uh, you know, uh, a real anabolic steroid in the system. You are simply making that assumption, but this is a court of law, one more time. It doesn't matter what you believe, it doesn't matter what you assume, it doesn't matter what the most rational thought is. The only thing that matters is what you can prove, and he couldn't prove Jack shit. Dude, this is such an expensive shit. fuck around and find out moment for the American legal system for Mark Hunt. Like this, this big sucks. time. Ch trying to challenge anti-doping, and here's the best part about it, if you're a Conor McGregor fan, that they're not going to bring him back till 2024. But if you're saying, well, wait a second, if now it'd be a bad thing if Conor got waived and then you know uh, he did pop, that would be not great. Ask Novitsky if you have questions. But it this. wouldn't open them up to legal liability anymore. It wouldn't. They they already know what the answer to that question. Would be they'd be totally fine. So, so are this you is saying a big that deal. Connor has not come back yet because of this Mark Hunt? They were waiting on this. There thing? is probably some reason to believe they wanted to get this matter uh, resolved before they moved forward. Adjudicated or that adjudicated? Not? Oh they, yeah. They wanted to see what was going to happen with this, and now they got an answer. And the answer is Mark Hunt's got a big ass legal bill he's going to have Damn. to pay. Damn, yeah. that sucks. Uh, who was juicier? Like who went went for it more, Brock at two hundred or Chael in the first Anderson fight? Brock at two hundred, just by mass, by size. Again, like the time by the time the fight was over, he was like you know he was as pink as a starburst. I mean, yeah, he looked... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Bonner juiced up heavy for that big time. He got tan and shit for he that didn't too. Give a fuck. Uh, yeah, Luke. So they already know they can find us this week at a bunch of different places on the Showtime. Sports I dare you YouTube to vote for channel. us for best podcast. I dare you. I mean, you does know, it look like it? I mean, well, I can't. I, I, they should have nominated me for best podcaster, Luke. You know what I mean? Yeah. Should they have? Yeah, they should have. Uh, I don't think that's a category. Though. It's not. How about leading man? What is the leading man? I think it's a promoter of the year type deal, isn't it? Isn't it basically isn't it like Dana and Chachri? It's, yeah, it's Dana and Chachri and, and Coker and, and, and the rest of the dogs. Maybe they should put the uh, Ash Jeeves cage up there as a leading man this year. You think he's is he male? Do you think PFL likes it when I tweet about the Ash Jeeves cage? Do you think he's male or is he non-binary? Who the cage? Yeah. Yeah, he's 
probably not. I mean, well, it's it's a code, right? It's one or zero. It's binary in that sense. But um, oh, was that that uh, that was that was uh, wow. That took me back to Luke's high school days, right? Listen, I have one thing to say to you. <laughs> oh boy, yeah. So you can find us. So Luke, can can you tell the fans as a make good for? As a make good for our recent debacleage, um, do you think that we can give them the gift of RSD this week to make them happy, or, or just I mean, fuck we can. Them? I mean, we, I, you know, it's not even fuck them. It's like, what can I promise them and then actually deliver on? I don't even know anymore. All right. Here's what I can say. Listen, <laughs> sum up Morning Combat in 2023. <laughs> well, that's why I want to get the dot cameras finalized this week because there's a story to tell here, Luke. There is a story to tell. And, uh, and what, of one is man. it a happy story? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Luke, it might will, be. Forget will you survive this week? Will you survive this year, Luke? Will you? Survive? Yes. Yes, I will survive. Thrive? Well, let's not get greedy. Let's not get yeah. greedy, shall we? All right. Well, thank you, fans, for hanging with us. The, the real day one P1s, they know. They know. This has been... Have, have I lied to them, Luke, from the beginning? I've said what MK really is. It's the documentization of the growth of men, the ups and downs. You know what I mean? This is what it is. Something like that. This is real life right here, okay? Sometimes life will grab you by the old, you know, thumb in the front, you know, party in the... Elephant walk. You know the elephant walk? No, but as a kid, I used to watch that Elephant Man movie with Anthony Hopkins. That was real weird, right? What was the one with Cher? Mask. Mask, yeah. That was, a, I, dude, I watched, that was White Trash. I watched that movie a million times. Do people times. know who Cher is, dude? Like, our younger viewers know who Cher is? She was popular in the. Do, do those same viewers believe in life after love? Do you believe in life after love? I can feel something about myself, Luke. Uh, after this is over, I just want you to know I'm going to get in the tub and then throw a toaster in it. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I got to go get ready for this uh, press conference. I'm going to bring. Uh, what time? What time, time going to be downstairs? I'm going to absolutely bring it today, 4 p.m. Eastern time. Yes, so Showtime 1 p.m. in the West. Sports YouTube channel. Uh, you're going to want to see this. Canelo versus Charlo. They're going to take to the stage, answer questions, face off. I want to see what the temperature is. That's what I want to see. Because Charlo's been, been... They've been pretty cool I want to see it. if Charlo raises that temp a little bit, Lions only style. Okay? Uh, dude, Luke, this was what happiness used to look like. And this is what I'm dealing with now. <laughs> That's it. I don't want to do this any longer. I, you probably, you're very close to defecating. I can tell. It's just You know, you get all like excited and stuff. It just got weird in here. Um, Luke Thomas, Brian Campbell, maybe, maybe, maybe you can vote for us out of pity. You know what I, mean? I, can't, I can't tell you what the future will bring, but you know, you gotta, you gotta cling to something. This guy's gonna cling to, uh, yeah, there we go. This is a, uh, S show. Um, that's the thing. Like if we're going down on the Titanic, I mean, what are we doing? I might pick up an instrument and join the band. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just, you know, I was, I was playing the ass horn. It hello, was really... my baby. Hello. Just keep playing. Right. Yeah. All right. Thank you guys for watching. We appreciate it.